welcome to hey great shot this is the great shot podcast a crack rackets and tennis channel podcast network production my name is alex gruskin on today's show we begin our penultimate episode in our countdown of our top 10 division one men's college tennis teams entering the 2023 season of course if you missed any of our previous episodes, all you got to do, scroll down on your Great Shot podcast feed. We've covered the teams ranked number 10 through 3 in our rankings. We've covered all of the breaking developments as it relates to any roster changes that have occurred over the course of the past month. The point is, we've done our best to try to prepare all of you listeners for what promises to be another exciting college tennis season. That said, we still have two men's teams to go. I have a yet to predict my 2023 NCAA champion. With that in mind, we preview our number two team in our men's preseason top 10, the Ohio State Buckeyes. And joining me as he always does on these episodes to talk all things Ohio State men's tennis is a man you know best as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions never far from the listed UTR, one of the many dames to root for the Liberty Flames. He's a lean, mean, vegan machine. It's our dear friend, Chris Heliores. Chris, hey, great shot. Crazy to say this out loud. It's our final week of our preseason countdown. We're a week away from the start of the college tennis season. You excited as as excited as I am, my friend? Oh, the first week of January is always great because now we actually get to start seeing real matches happen, uh, you know, in the next week. So yeah, uh, fin- wrap up these last two. Obvious, it's obvious now who they are once we get into this. And uh and yeah, real tennis begins. That's the fun part. All I'm asking is if you're hiding your duels right now, coaches, don't hide them. Show them to us. We're desperate for college tennis action. We want to see lineups as much as anyone out there. So send your hidden duel schedules our way, and we'll do our best to broadcast those results here on this show. With that said, of course, as always, our plan for today's episode, talk about all aspects of the Ohio State Buckeyes, break down their 2022, look at the returners, the new additions, strengths, weaknesses, schedule, and of course, off for our predictions, of course. Before we do that, we got to talk about some news that broke late in the college tennis world. Now, as of listeners hearing this show, the 2023 ITA preseason top 25 rankings will be out, of course, until there's enough data. Those rankings are a coach's poll and Again, by the time you're hearing this show, many of you will have seen the results of that preseason top 25. We're going to save our thoughts on the preseason top 25 until our final episode breaking down our preseason number one. So we're going to skip that news for now. But we do have to talk about a big move relating one of our tier one teams entering this 2023 season. That, of course, is the announcement that Kent Hunter will not be competing for the University of Tennessee. Hunter comes over for his final year of eligibility from LSU. That said, after competing this fall... Hunter has decided to hang things up, and he discussed his decision, the reasoning for it, on a very lengthy and extraordinarily well-written Instagram post, excuse me, that I know Chris was kind enough to share on his Twitter feed. I would implore all of you listeners to go check that tweet out. Chris, you can retweet that link with the posting of this podcast episode, but Obviously, what you and I try to do on this show is talk about the impact from a tennis perspective, and if you go listen to 
our Tennessee podcast. And a reminder to all of you Cracked Rackets listeners, Tennessee was our preseason number five team in our men's rankings. We had Kent Hunter as a staple of the top four of the lineup for Tennessee. Now, it's a Tennessee team that certainly has a ton of options as it relates to the bottom half of their lineup, but you felt like Hunter was expected to be one of their core four performers, maybe, throughout the course of the 2023 season, and there is no denying this decision leaves an absence in their roster. Yeah, I mean, it first it definitely does. We, we got to the point where for Tennessee – it was hey they with with Hunter in there they kind of needed uh, you know somebody to step up into the sixth spot uh, because Hunter regardless of where you played him I thought you know higher rather than lower even contrary to to maybe where the UTRs would put the guys but I I thought higher but regardless of where you put him it pushed everybody down to where we were basically in a discussion between ourselves anyway of is it Diaz or Prada at six. And if you get, you know, the old Prada, then maybe it's Prada. And if he's in form, if not, you know, Diaz held him, held up, you know, just fine last year. And, and maybe it's him. Now you're in the boat where it's both of them. Uh, and it, it's both of them or, you know, Boris Kozlov is challenging one of them if they're, if they're not stepped up, you know, or, a, or a healthy Pat Harper, I'll continue to reserve my doubts about, you know, having him healthy enough to play singles and doubles. So, yeah, I think it, it just puts a lot more pressure on the bottom of the lineup. They're still going to be just fine uh, up at the top of the lineup. I mean, you know, Monday, Mitsui, Hud, Bicknell, no no worries really with, with those guys, but it's a lot of pressure now for the five and six spots. Yeah, and you mentioned it. That fifth guy for Tennessee was going to be one of our guys in the MVP discussion this year because just a reminder, they have... Johannes Monday coming back, Shinsuke Mitsui, who's had an outstanding summer fall, not just in college, but on the pro circuit as well. You have Emil Hud, who was excellent in the top three last season. And then you have Blaze Bicknell, who's put together an undefeated number four single season in his career. And on top of that is Kent Hunter, who, again, was really good at LSU in a top four position last year. One of those guys was going to play five, and you felt really good about that position. And then, to your point, you had all of these options. Only one had to be clicking at any moment at the number six spot. Now you need two of those guys to click. And again, as good as that top four still is, it's just one less elite of the elite option. And ultimately, that's going to impact any team. You feel like Hunter could have been a big contributor on the doubles court as well. That said, looking at it, I would have TCU... Flipping with Tennessee, I would move TCU up to five. I would put Tennessee at six. I'd still have them a spot about uh, above the now number seven USC following their addition of Lerner Tien, but like six or seven. I mean, maybe even you flip them with USC as well in your mind, Chris. I'm going to go TCU now five, Tennessee six, USC seven. What say you? Yeah, to with TCU above for sure. I mean, I tell you what, the the team. They're like to me, they're now a mirror image of Kentucky. Really? I mean, make the case. Well, Interesting. Look, you top top four, we all know. Top four, we all know. Bo- both schools, right? Monday, Mitsui, Bicknell, Hud. Kentucky, you go, you know, uh, Draxel, Aini, uh, Lapidot and Body. Lapidot and, and Body. That's right. And then at Kentucky, you're going, hey, we got Cosnet and is it Mercer or, you know, who's, 
who is but who's five and six and we have the same discussion here diaz and prada it's like four with uh i'm not sure i know i've got guys that can play i hope they're that you know they can cut it at the elite look we know these guys are going to be good in the sec both of these schools they're still two of our top three teams in the sec right they're going to be fine in the sec and that's one of the best conferences in the country they're going to be fine at a, a level against anyone it's you know but we're talking about teams that want to win a national title so now when we come down to may and we get down to top 16 and then top eight now are the five and six good enough and that's the question and i just don't know with either school you know like we said last year with kentucky the reason they were able to make the run wasn't even necessarily because of of the of down low they were just so good up top if if draxel diallo Hurry on, just got on a roll on any given day. It didn't matter what everybody else did. Uh, yeah, no, and look, I think Tennessee still, I trust their depth. I mean, Prada's put together a really good top four season before in a way. Kentucky's bottom roster of the guys just have not. Obviously, if Harper's healthy that means and playing, that means he is healthy and playing very well because we saw how rock solid Diaz is and the concept of him at six, not the worst idea either. I give them the benefit of the doubt in doubles because Tennessee has – just forever been a program that has thrived in doubles and again we have serves like mondays like huds the movement of mitsui and harper you can find two really good teams you feel like out of those four pieces i still think tennessee can win a national championship i will say i predict them to make the semifinals. I'm going to bump that down to the quarterfinals. I'm going to make that a quarterfinal spot now and move their semifinal to one of our top two teams. Who is that top two team? Well, let's see who our answer is today. And you guys can deduce the rest from there. With that in mind, let's get into our team here, our preview of the number two Ohio State University men's tennis team, of course. You look back at the 2022 season for the Buckeyes I mean, look, glass half full perspective, there were moments where this team was unequivocally the best team in the country. And the moment on the calendar you highlight at most is the start of the year. This team came out of the gates on absolute fire. You look at who they beat in the run-up to last year's national indoors. And of course, overall, the Buckeyes 28-4, and winning 88% of their matches, 7-0 and in regular season conference play. I mean, listen to this gauntlet. They run to start the season. They beat Toledo, Xavier, and a match where, by the way, Cannon Kingsley suffered one of his only Loss. losses through yeah. the entire season in that Xavier match. Slightly memorable. They then beat Illinois 4-0, kickoff weekend 4-0 wins over Arizona State and North Carolina. Then the real impressive stuff starts. They beat Tennessee 4-0. They beat Virginia 4-0. They beat Kentucky 4-0. They beat Wake Forest 7-0. They were the best team undefeated and playing exceptional tennis going into the national indoor championships. I was fortunate enough to be on the broadcast for that event, the night match against Washington to kick off day one at the national indoors. Washington played phenomenal. The crowd was elite. And look, this was a Buckeye team that, yes, played a lot of tough matches, but all of them had been at home to that point in the season. Let's be clear. Ohio State won at 4-1, and the reason I bring up the crowd is to say that was actually a really impressive 4-1 victory with how well Washington played in the moment. The big thing was how the Buckeyes came out the next day. The 4-0 win over Wake Forest seemed like they had things humming once again, and then, look, I can point to the exact moment. 
Robert Cash, three set points, up 5-4, 15-40. First set of number six singles against Louis Maxted. Cash has the high forehand on his racket. He makes that approach shot nine out of ten times, wins the point probably eight out of ten. He missed the forehand in the net. Maxted ultimately holds, wins the match 7-6-6-2. TCU takes the doubles point. They take three singles matches. They win a really fun match, 4-3 overall. Look, again, like... You lose 4-3 to the eventual champions. The match comes down to a third set at the number three singles position. This was really fun tennis. And ultimately, I think when you look at this team, who, by the way, again, undefeated in Big Ten play, Michigan gets them in the conference tournament. But of course, Ohio State knocks them off in the NCAA quarterfinals. This team seemed to have things clicking once again come that NCAA semifinal match, and it was a match against a Kentucky team who they had beaten 4-0 earlier in the season. But again, that Kentucky match will stick with me forever because Kentucky just played outstanding throughout the singles portion of that match. And I mean, look, Ohio State won the doubles point. They did their job. Cash and Votzel were cruising. Cannon and Kingsley doing their thing. A ridiculous number three doubles team. And then Ohio State, after you know winning first sets at the number five spot, at the number six spot, at the number one spot, they lost the threat. And Kentucky came roaring back. 4-1 victory. They knock out the Buckeyes in the semifinals. Again, that's your story for 2022 Ohio State. A really impressive 28-4 and overall record. I do also think it's worth noting that their number one doubles team, Robert Cash and Mate Votzel, were outstanding throughout the course of the year. 37-5 and overall. They win fall bats. They win All-American. Come a third set tiebreaker away from becoming just the second team in NCAA history to win the Triple Crown. It was a special season from those two Buckeyes. And again, they did that with Robert Cash on one freaking knee. What happens if he's healthy? What does that do for the entire course of the Buckeyes season? There are a lot of questions that come out of Ohio State from 2022, but with that elaborate scene set, Chris, I'm in rare form to start 2023. I'm clearly ready for the start of this college tennis season. I ask you, did the Buckeyes exceed expectations, underperform, or get things just right last year? Boy, I mean, I don't know. It depends on whose expectations you're judging uh, and based on what I'd say for, for them they probably feel like they underperformed just because I don't think, uh, you know, finishing where they did was what they wanted. Uh, and, and certainly anything short of a national title for them, the guys and, and coach Tucker were probably, you know, a little disappointed. They, they knew, I mean, anybody that's got the capability wants it, but in the end, I think they got it about right. I would, I would say that, you know, early in the season, even though we know they're almost unbeatable at home, even with, even with that aura, they almost overperformed. As you mentioned, all the shutouts in a row over, you know, Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee, Wake Forest. I mean, all these teams that were really good teams and not even giving up a point. I mean, I, winning is one thing. Win 4-2, 4-3, 4-1 here and there. But shutting out every single one of those schools, I think they kind of overperformed there. But then, you know, when it, when push came to shove, uh, yeah, they get the big win over Michigan, getting a revenge win in, in the in the tourney. But then, I mean, kind of laid an egg after winning the doubles point against Kentucky. I think all in all, it's about right for, for most of us on the outside, you know, that aren't expecting a national title. 
that's about what you would expect from a team that good. And, and it's always, you know, we're always, and we'll, we'll probably say it five times. I don't know what the over-under is going to be on this call. Talk about outdoors, indoors. That's always going to be a thing with, with some of these schools from, from further up that get to play very little outdoor tennis during the year. So yeah, I, I would, for me, I'd say about right. Well, so here's the thing in a vacuum, a non-conference schedule that features national indoors matches, yes, against Washington, but Wake and TCU as well. You also have non-conference matches against Tennessee, Virginia, Kentucky, Wake, Michigan, Illinois, the kickoff weekend. They also, let's not forget, went to Texas, beat the Longhorns 4-3, to A&M, beat the Aggies 5-2. In a vacuum, those nine matches, eight matches, whatever they are, that's a really good non-conference schedule. I think if you ask Ty Tucker, do you wish two of those first four, Tennessee, Virginia, Kentucky, Wake Forest, were on the road? I think he would answer yes. I think, you know, again, even versus the indoor-outdoors, road matches versus home matches. It's a different environment. And again, it's hilarious when you look at it because, let's be clear, they played Michigan at home. They beat them. On the road, they lost. The two neutral site matches, they split. That feels about right for the level both teams were last season, each good enough to win a national championship. You look at the national tournament. Again, they beat Wake. They have their opportunity, 4-3, but very well could have won that match against TCU. And, you know, again, played a really good match to beat USC 4-2 in the round of 16, lose the doubles point, come back to beat Michigan in the quarterfinals, win the doubles point in three first sets against Kentucky. They were right where they needed to be before that Kentucky team just caught fire in a match that it's worth noting you mentioned the indoor outdoors here's the big thing of why you probably are disappointed if you're a Buckeye fan coming out of 2022 not only were you playing Kentucky you were playing Kentucky indoors and you beat Kentucky 4-0 indoors and again you lost 4-3 to the eventual national indoor champion who in my opinion and this is not as a slight of TCU but you were just as good as TCU and absolutely Ohio State was good enough to have won the national indoor championship last year they're going to be good enough to potentially win it again this season as well the only reason you say underperform is because again this team was absolutely good enough to win a national championship. We'll get into some of the stats from last season. They had the individual horses you need to work your way to a national championship. You had the best doubles team in the country. You've got a guy who was, for much of the year, the prohibitive, most valuable player in any lineup in the country in J.J. Tracy. You have outstanding depth and veteran experience in guys like Van Emberg, Trotter, Boulay. Obviously, Votzel comes in, continues his top 10 level. This team was good enough to win a national championship last year, and they hold themselves to that standard as they should. Here's my fun Ohio State stat for context of just how good this program has been over the course of the past two decades. Chris, they made their first quarterfinal run under Ty Tucker all the way back in 2004. They make the quarterfinals, lose 4-0 Baylor in Tulsa. Since making that quarterfinal run in 2004, Chris, how many times has this Buckeye team not reached the quarterfinals in the subsequent, what, 19 seasons, 18 seasons? How many times have they not made it? Yes. 18, 19 seasons. I'll say five. Okay. They have only not made the quarterfinals 
on three separate occasions. 2005, they lose in the second round. They also lose round of 16 back in 2021. The other round of 16, I believe, was back in uh, somewhere in the 2010s. Oh, 2015 was the other 4-3 to Texas A&M. That's it. In every other season, this team has made the quarterfinals or further. Obviously, they've made runs to the national championship matches in 2009, in 2018. And that 2018 match against Wake Forest, one wonders if it wasn't in Winston-Salem, what does that result ultimately look like? This Ohio State team has won multiple national indoor championships over the course of the past two decades. We talked about blue blood versus new blood as one of the big themes coming out of last season. Ohio State... They would never want to associate with the term blue blood because it's Michigan and that team up north, and they want no association with the color blue. But that blood is Buckeye red, and it runs as true as any college tennis program in the country. This team has – it's the litmus test. Do you want to be considered an elite program? Well, Ohio State is what an elite program is, just the year after year consistency. You know how good this team is going to be, how they're going to push you in every match, how difficult it is to find four points, which is ultimately the goal against them. I just feel like it's important to have that context, Chris, in explaining how a team that went 28-4 and and was on the precipice of two national championships last year, three if you count the Votel cash run in doubles, um, you know, again, that's the only reason you would describe it as an underperformance is because they know what the standard is and it's win a national championship. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) I I can't say any of that any better. That's... yeah, they they are. They've just been elite, and they bring in the guys every year. And you know, this year's going to be no exception. Absolutely. And with that in mind, let's look at the team they bring back in 2023. And look, we've talked about loaded rosters on just about every one of our podcasts we've done. That's the era we play in with this extra year of eligibility for uh, another class of collegiate athletes. But look, this Ohio State team brings back all the big horses, essentially, from last season. And that starts with Cannon Kingsley. Kingsley, 19-5 and five overall in dual match play, 15-4 and four at the number one singles position. And, you know, again, you look at the matches Kingsley lost throughout the course of the year. Uh, again, in dual match play, he loses to Styler in what was top Top 200 tennis in the Big Ten Championship bounces right back from that, beats him in straight sets in the NCAA quarterfinals. Yes, he loses a three-set match to Draxel in the NCAA semis, but again, that was an outstanding three-set match, another top 200-level sort of battle. The loss to Braswell, Texas, Nava early in the season. He was as consistent as any number one singles player in the country last year, and you bring him back for another season He's in the guy conversation, right? Like, I feel as good about Cannon at one as I do any other player in the country. Yeah, he uh, he's absolutely Beats Distonic, the by the way, at, at USC. That was the big one in that round of 16 match. First loss for Distonic of the year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, he's he's in the conversation for sure. I the, the, the problem, I think, is always, yeah, you watch him, and depending on when you see him, you look and you go, how can he not be the guy? But then, you know, it's a, I, I think it's just a it, it's a tennis maturity thing for him. He, there will just be occasions where you just sort of go, where'd he go? And and I'm, he'd probably admit that, too, in some of his losses. Right. Like, I don't know what happened, man. I was up a set and a break and cruising. And then all of a sudden I, I couldn't win points and I lose a set and I find myself down a break in the third. Uh, you know, it's 
it, just those kinds of things. I mean, it's super, super little things, but he's got the level to play with anybody in the college game. And yeah, like you said, he could play top 200 level tennis. He just, you know, he's got to, he's got to do that all the time. And that's, that's where it gets tough because you get one little letdown, like you said, and you lose to Riffis or you lose to Draxel or you lose to Styler. Um, and, you know, of course not there, you know, very few people are going to pull a Stevie and, and just go undefeated. You're going to have some of that, but you'd like to maybe not. I feel like there's just a little more of that for him than he would like to have. That's probably the biggest thing for him. You know, it's not that he's not missing a forehand or missing a backhand or doesn't have a good serve or, you know, he's got all the tools for him. It's just a matter of keeping the level up all the time and figuring out how to do that. So it's probably more mental than it is anything else. So it's interesting you say that because I disagree slightly. I actually think the big thing when I watch Cannon play, and let's be clear, Cannon All-American in 2020, All-American in 2022, would have been an All-American in 2021 if the Big Ten was allowed to play more non-conference matches. You know, he's been the guy at Ohio State for multiple years now. And to have that sort of experience, yes, Dostonic's still out there, but we have a little bit of a changing of the guard at the top of college tennis, right? Like, Kingsley's more experienced than he a Monday is. Kingsley's as, if not more experienced than a Luke Famba of TCU, even a Styler. He's played more matches at the number one spot than any of the Michigan guys. Kingsley's been around the block. And see, the, the the spin I would have on your description, Chris, is I think Kingsley's kind of a tennis chameleon. I think the better the opponent, the better the cannon. Sometimes, though, you're right. When opponents such as Draxel start to muck things up a little bit, cannon can get a little mucked. Like, it'll happen from time to time. And Again, that's what makes the number one singles matches so fun because it's just always – I just think Cannon's a fun contrast against any opponent that he plays. And obviously, to your point, forehand wing, backhand wing, the power is relentless, good mover as well. A lot of positivity on his court every match that he plays. Again, it's it's just a fun – Cannon has become a close friend to this Crack Rackets program. It's always a pleasure to watch him compete. I actually think stock up for Cannon entering this 2023 season. And the reason I say that is he had a pretty good fall playing pro matches and throughout the summer as well. Now, he's still chasing that first pro title, but you look for Cannon was able to reach the semifinals of the Columbus Challenger. Good wins over Vukic, Jub, and honestly, given the pro results he had, the win over James Trotter, not too shabby either. He was able to qualify in Knoxville, qualify in Cary, have some success at the 25K level. I think this is going to be the business year for Cannon Kingsley, where he he's coming back to school for one reason, and it's to win tennis matches. You look for Kingsley, you know, reached top 500 in September, had no points to defend through the first six months of the year, could have made the decision to go pro. He has not. And I just think, again, I don't think we're going to see downs from Cannon this year. I think it's going to be a lot of ups. I think I would not shock me at all if he puts together like a 16-2 and two sort of year. No, I... I... I don't disagree, but I think that that's that's the step up that he needs. We know he can beat anybody out there. I mean, right now the question is, okay, are you going to have five or six days where you just, you know, it's not there and, and you don't do it? Or do you have one or two days like that? Uh, you know, that that's 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 the big question. He's definitely got the game and he like he could be the guy, but we just I don't know. There's a, there's a, you've mentioned a handful of them. There are yeah. a bunch of guys in that conversation that could be there this year. Uh, we'll, we'll wait and see. 
let me ask you this hypothetical. Murphy Cassone, hottest thing since sliced bread versus Cannon Kingsley. Dual match format. Who are you backing? Uh, neutral court outdoors. Outdoors. Yeah, we'll say neutral court. I'll take Murphy on a neutral court outdoors. <sighs> yeah, well, the thing is, it's not going to happen. I mean, which is really court. weird because Murphy hits bombs. I mean, yeah. <laughs> See, but, I'm, I'm but, taking but Cannon. Cannon moves, Cannon moves much, much What better. about at Ohio State? Oh, Kingsley all day. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And the only scenario I see them playing outdoors is round of 32 or round of 64 at Ohio State. And I just think Cannon wins in that scenario. And yeah, so yeah, they are. Those, yeah, those two schools are never going to play on a neutral court. That's what I'm saying. Tournament. I just unless something <laughs> crazy happens. And no, so absolutely not. It's so even hard. I'm going to get to see that match. Yeah, exactly. In the dual match NCAA format. tournament would be your only chance to. I mean, singles NCAA in the singles tournament. Would be yeah. your only chance to see Which that was match. not yeah. the, again, I predicated that it was in the dual match scenario. Yeah, dual Still, match. No. again, yeah. you bring Cannon back at one, you feel about as good at the number one spot as any team in the country, of course. Before we get to some of the new guys that may cloud the top of the lineup, Ohio State may not need to turn to them because they've got options. And obviously the you know the big name you would turn to next is J.J. Tracy, who, oh no, he lost another one dual match during the course of the 2022 season. Tracy, 19-1 and one overall. And look, a lot of these stats are going to be big numbers because the Buckeyes beat up on what was a down Big Ten last season. There are a lot of stats padded for a lot of Big Ten top, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, both of these players. We said those same numbers last week in the Michigan show. That's because they were beaten up on Big Ten opponents. But you look for uh, Tracy now. He went 26-3 and his freshman season, 36-6 and here his sophomore year. So now he's a whopping 50, uh, 62, excuse me, and 9 in singles matches throughout the course of his college career and has obviously been a guy who has made quarterfinals of ITA significant individual events. He was an All-American last season given his fall success and – I mean, you look for Tracy here in the fall this year. Tracy, 9-4 and four overall in singles play, was able to compete at the big events here in college. I, if Tracy's your number two, you're feeling pretty good, right, Chris? Yeah, they've got a, a, several guys there. You, I don't think you feel bad. I think he he's the guy, though, to me, that I think I, I want to see another, another jump from because I, I haven't seen it yet, uh, and – absolutely you want him to be there i i don't know that he ends up there but uh so can i give the counter i actually thought and i got the chance to watch he and luchanik play a ton in the fall because they had a lot of success in doubles eight and one overall as a team there was a little more oomph in all the weapons jj tracy brought to the court and obviously he's a guy who came into college paper thin two years in the ty tucker weightlifting system he has clearly become a college athlete I actually thought you could tell he was trying to play a little bit bigger in the fall in anticipation of maybe I do have to make a step up in the lineup. That said again, like, okay, so you look for Tracy last year. The big thing, he went 16-1 and one at the three and four singles position combined. The best version of Ohio State has him back in those position again this year, right? Because it means someone else is popping in the lineup. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. That's I the did, argument, right? Yeah. He and he. To me, it does, like I want to see him make the jump to, like you said, show a little more game because I don't know. You know, the game that we've seen from him isn't really a number two game, right? You you want to have a little more on the weapon side, maybe. Uh, but 
not that he's even even with the game he had, he was great. I I just think that he's going to need to to step it up a little, or we may see somebody else there. I, I don't know, but it's you know you don't go and he's got he's got some good wins in the fall between both college and pro events. But you know his his own teammate in in Boulay beat him. He's got you know he lost to. Uh, obviously, Basavaretti, who went on uh, to have the, the tremendous All-Americans, but I mean, he got beat three and three there and uh, lost to uh, Toby Samuel from South Carolina. Uh, you know, Gavin Young beat, I mean, Gavin Young pounded him three and oh, uh, just that's, you know, you say all of that and I'm not calling out all the good wins and you go, hmm, I don't know. But yeah, then you got great win over over ozone you know beats lp from florida state harris walker from harvard zvert smitsui good wins as well but you know at ohio state you're not looking for a guy that's going to go 500 right you know they're looking for another hey give us that 36 and 6 year or you know in the dual match season we want to see you know whatever it is you know 20 and 4 or something like that no, I mean, uh, look, in the matches that they lost last season, Kentucky, they lost the top two. Michigan, they lost the top two. TCU, they split the top two. Second, Michigan, they went a, a one and one against the top two. So you're right. It's like four matches in the top two can often define the Ohio State season. And again, you look at the numbers they put up there last year, Cannon 15 and four. Overall, they went 22 and four at the number two spot with votes of 15 and three. Yeah, like... This is a team that last year had some horses at the top of the lineup. First of all, they were strong everywhere in that lineup. But you're right. Again, we're talking about the national championship conversation. Um, I, I see your point. Yeah, I mean, I would love it. I feel great if I'm playing my legit lineup and I get to play JJ at three or four. Sure. I mean, you know, because if you if if that means other guys have stepped up and you get to play him in a spot where I think is more a more natural spot for him – He's going to put up those kinds of numbers, if not better, again. Well, not even a more natural spot for him, a spot we've seen him dominate at before. And so uh, you're absolutely right. And, I mean, look, it seems like every year we have this discussion, but there's no doubt the two most fascinating returners year after year to this (laughs) Ohio State roster are Justin Boulay and James Trotter. And, look, the fall stats – don't tell you the story for these two because you look for Boulay. He went one and one overall in college matches. Trotter didn't play any matches in the fall. That said, you look at what each of them were able to do on the pro tour. And let's start with Trotter in particular. Edwardsville earlier this summer beats Kipson, beats Ozalins, beats Martin Dom, beats Ponwith on his way to that Edwardsville title. You look at, you know, again, what he was able to do at some of the challenger level matches he played throughout the home stretch of the season, was able to get some wins in those challenger events. I mean, Trotter's always had the weapons. And again, statistically last year, James Trotter, 14-4 and four overall in dual match play. Now, you know, watching his match against Fernley at TCU was always, will always be a match that, you know, ends up sticking in my mind. But Trotter had some great results throughout the course of last year and certainly had some great results throughout the course of the fall. It's, I think it's the final year of the James Trotter experience. What are you expecting, Chris? Well, I'm expecting that, you know, we're we're absolutely going to see this guy in the top four. Uh, and and some of that went away last year. The other guy we're going to talk about, I think, is is even more interesting to me. But yeah, Trotter, 
you know, it's it's been the ups and downs, certainly starting from his freshman year. But he's a guy that has to be playing. And he's, yeah, he's proven it and got the title this year, has had some great outside of college results. And, yeah, that, I think, for for a, for an Ohio State team to be the best version of, of that team that they can be, he's a top three guy. Yeah. Uh, and he should, you know, I don't think there's any doubt Kingsley's one. He's He's a two or a three. And I'm fine with him at either. And you just want him to be playing well enough to deserve to be there. Yeah, no, I mean, look, the matches, again, Trotter plays really well in that match against Jake Fernley in that TCU uh, semifinal, but, you know, gets a tough loss to Nino Aaron Schneider in the Big Ten Championship. Tough loss to Ludwig Westrait of USC in the round of 16. And we didn't see him in Champaign in the singles lineup. And, you know, again, you feel like he's a guy who has the weapons. He should be top six on any roster in the country, even one as talented as Ohio State's. And again, you do feel like the best version of this year's team certainly has a confident trotter clicking on all cylinders come May. The guy who certainly had two different seasons throughout the course of last year was Justin Boulay. And you look for Justin Boulay uh, ultimately ends the year 10-2 and two overall in dual match play, 6-1 and one in his last 10. His ability to turn things around against Aaron Schneider in that Big Ten quarterfinal, ultimately it's why... I think Ohio State's able to flip that match from the Big Ten results. You look at the fact that he won that first set against Lapidot. It felt like things were clicking on all cylinders for Ohio State in that moment. I thought Boulay played really good tennis to end the season. And again, Chris, he's a guy who had a really good fall on the Pro Tour, did he not? Oh, he had a great fall. That's that's the guy I think that's the bigger wild card. We know Trotter's be, really got to be, I, I would I would think he should be a top three guy. You could push him to four with what Boulay has done and play Tracy up there as well. I don't think that happens, but yeah, Boulay, another guy that's with a, with a win over Kipson, like you had talked about Trotter, but I mean, yeah, just a tremendous fall for him, you know, beats Draxel, uh, beats Kipson has, has some really good matches with some other guys, maybe doesn't pull out the win, but we're talking pro level matches uh, and and had had some other good success and and coming out of uh, out of Canada gets the the nice benefit of getting into some Canadian tournaments that they really take care of their own and got a lot of good experience. Um, yeah, I really you know also beat you know as I should guess we should say in the in the Columbus Challenger teammate JJ Tracy. Um, yeah, he he's the guy that's sort of the wild card for me is. On paper, you look at what he's done and you go, wow, this guy should probably be playing two or three. Where he's been the past couple of years with Coach Tucker on the team and in the lineup, you 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 look at it and you go, there's no way he's playing two or three. So which one is it? I, I don't I don't know. Uh, I don't I'm not to the point where I would trust it yet. The results have been great. He looks really good. Uh I'll just wait. We'll have to wait here come this month and see where he is. The amazing thing, you look, Cannon Kingsley's ranked 546 right now in the ITF rankings. Boulay's at 555. Trotter's at 596. You know, we haven't even gotten to the new guys in Bernard in Anthrop coming out of the redshirt season. We will momentarily. Now, Tracy doesn't have the big pro results that some of the other guys do, but we know he's a top 20 guy in college tennis. Look at his fall results over the course of the past two years. Like, you bring back that four. We're not going to spend as long on Robert Cash, but I know you and I both agree he's on the short list. Certainly top five, if not the number one doubles player any coach would want on their roster to start this 2023 season. And then 
We have to give a shout out. It's a tradition here at Cracked Rackets. Andrew Luchonic earns it here on this 2023 podcast in reference to his 2022 and start to this fall. You look for Trotter, who, uh, excuse me, Luchonic, who 4-1 at the number six spot to end the year. Got the massive win over BD in the quarterfinals. He played really good doubles to end the season. He was at that number two spot, uh, partnering with all sorts of different people. And, you know, again, the weapons are real. Hits the cover off of the ball, has gotten to a place where the movement now allows him to have time to get into those weapons, play big through the court. You look for Luchonic this fall, 2-1 and one in singles play, but again, 8-1 and one with Tracy in doubles. And you know both Cash Luchonic will be competing, not just on the court, but you'll be hearing a lot of them if you attend a Buckeye match as well. They get loud, but like right away, Chris, six returners who fit in different fashion. This is... It, this is an exceptional core, right? And just that's the premise of what, what gets them into the top two, right? That's the strength is you just have returning talent who's experienced everywhere. Oh, the, these guys are so deep. So, I mean, yeah. probably, I, I I would say, you know, probably the deepest team that, that we've covered. Yeah. You know, we covered on the TCU pod at Pennington Jones. Nobody thinks he's actually going to be eligible. If he was in there, huge, huge depth in the TCU roster. There are a lot of teams that have some deep rosters, but we're talking, you know, seven deep here at probably 13, five-ish. I mean, come on. This, this is a ridiculously deep roster. What's the universal tennis rating? Their top six has to be what, ranked number one? If not two, it's got to be top two. Oh no, they're they're number one. Yeah, yeah it would make sense. I mean, by, again, by over a, by, by more than a point. Yeah, and by the way, shout out to Reese Yakubov, who's just the epitome of an Ohio State culture guy. But again, now we can talk about the new additions as well. They bring in two top twenty ITF juniors to compete on the roster this season. And let's start with the newest of the two in Alex Bernard. Bernard was ranked as high as number nine in the ITF junior rankings. Comes in ranked number six oh six in the ATP singles rankings as well. Not the worst place to be. And by the way, ITF rankings, ATP rankings, same thing for all of you listeners who may not be familiar, but just another top 650 guy to throw onto this Buckeye roster. And, you know, Bernard, 5-1 and one in his college matches that he played this fall. Again, a guy who got a lot of pro matches in throughout the course of the fall as well. Wins uh, that Columbus 25K wins over Mayo, McNally, Votzel, Hanslick. He was able to play a couple of qualies in challenger events as well. Pretty solid fall particularly highlighted, obviously, by that final title. I mean, this is a guy who wouldn't shock me if he throws into a top three slot, right, to start the season either. And you feel like the lower Bernard is playing in the lineup, just the more wins he's going to rack up. Yeah, I, I'd be shocked to see him in the in the top three. Not that he doesn't deserve it, but just that with, when you got the two freshmen coming in. See, I don't know. I think there might have been a little, hey, like – you're I, just like, why come to, he's top 10 junior in the world? I think you come to school to play top three. I mean, he, certainly he wants, he's going to going to be there at some point if he sticks around. I, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, it's yeah. a tough call. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people, why, why not Florida state and play with his brother? Oh. Uh, but, uh, uh, that's all about money, but I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't, I just don't, I mean, I don't see wanting to throw, I don't think, I don't think Ty of all guys 
is the one that's gonna you know say to a player oh yeah sure if 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 your demand is that you have to play top three to come here fine i'll tell you that you're gonna get to play top three no i there's no chance ty's doing that ty's saying no you're gonna come you're gonna work your ass off and if you deserve to be in the top three of the lineup you'll be in the top three lineup if you're seven which is also very likely fair uh then then you're seven i mean that's that that's what it's going to be so I think he's going there for, you know, seeing what Ty does with the guys and an opportunity to win a national championship and and, and everything else that that he's going to get at Ohio State. So I I don't think that's a a lock at all. And and I just don't like playing if you have the ability to not throw the freshman up there, I much prefer not throwing freshmen. Now, at least these guys have been around the college scene there. It's not like the foreigners that come in and have never really seen college tennis and don't know what it's all about. You know, Jack and, and Alex both know what college tennis is about and they've been around and, you know, and seen the rowdy and the pressure. So the then let me propose this to you. What do you think will be a, f- I mean, just imagine you're now in Ty Tucker's brain. What is the first thing he did? Like writing down James Trotter or Justin Boulay at the number two or three single spot or writing down freshman Alex Bernard there? What kills him quicker? Because that's like the prospect of either is striking and it's not like impossible. It's either scenario. I I think it would probably make Ty feel a lot better if he could just say, yeah, I'll play an Alex two and – what the hell? I'm playing Jack three and uh, and then JJ, you're playing four and uh, Justin you know, five. And, and, and Robbie, I'm going to put you at six. So guess what? I'm back in the old boat. It's either Trotter or Boulay, but I don't have to have both. And I'm actually going to start Seabird at five because it just <laughs> now is his time. Um, but no. no, none of that's going to happen. I don't but, know, man. I mean, look, Bernard's really good. Bernard's got he wins. Is, no, he is very good. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, the. the they can play. I think the only given in this lineup is that Kingsley plays one. Yeah. After that, he's it's wide open. He can play any of these guys two through six. There's going to be the opportunity to scheme this year. He's got some serious scheming possibilities. Yeah. Yep. And so, again, that's piece number one. The second piece is redshirt freshman Jack Anthrop, who, of course, was a top Thirty junior in the world prior to coming to college. Now again, redshirted last season, but Anthrop four and two in the college matches he played. He also was able to play a bunch of pro matches throughout the course of the past six months. Quarterfinaled that same twenty five k in Columbus, won by Anthrop. Got a quarterfinal elsewhere in Edwardsville, and you know again. It's a piece that if he's playing five and six, having been around college tennis for a year, whether it's him, whether it's Cash, whether it's Luchanek, any of those guys at six, you feel pretty good about if you're Coach Tucker or Coach Kronagi. Yeah, and and he's he's had some good good matches over guy, you know, against guys that are. are I think he good, beat Bernard. Good measuring sticks. Um, yeah, I don't know. Did he play? Did he actually play Bernard? I don't. I know. I know. In the off season, he beat Bernard Columbus two challenger qualies three and five. Ah, okay. Yeah. So he beat he beat Bernard. Um, you know the the one that I look at is probably just a little closer because they're it's more likely they end up playing at some point. Uh, Osnett for Kentucky, who I would my gut says he's he's five or six for Kentucky. Very good likelihood that you could see. Anthrop playing five or six for Ohio State. That was just a recent match at the Columbus 25K. 
Anthrop wins that five and zero. Uh, you know that that's a, a good measuring stick for kind of a spot in the lineup that I think you're going to see another top eight team uh, and, and how he fares. So yeah, went three sets with Fenty, but but lost right. Um, yeah, I, yeah, there are all kinds of talent. I, I'll tell you what the thing that I like about the these guys is I think we always talk about the issues and I'm never one really to say, Oh, history. If you tell me, Oh, so-and-so, you know, Ohio state hasn't lost to or beaten team X in 15 years. I don't, that doesn't really mean anything to me because it's different players, et cetera, et cetera. It only, it's only meaningful if there's a reason, for you know, a good reason for, for that. And the thing that we always talk about is the outdoors indoors. You get guys, that play indoors and if you get and you recruit indoor guys and they play indoors it's a tough transition to outdoors you know these guys anthrop and bernard they can play outdoors uh you know hell anthrop's probably you know he comes to ohio state from florida and he's like oh what the hell is this indoor stuff uh you know that i think it's going to better suit them looking down the road to may to having many more really quality options uh for an outdoor season, even though granted, they're still going to play almost their entire season indoors before they get there. Uh, but I, that, that to me makes them, it makes it much more intriguing than I think it has been the past several years, because I don't feel like they've had that many of those kinds of players and options. And now I think this is a little, it makes them a little scarier outdoors. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing, Metka, Diaz, Cobalt, Tubert, all of these guys who get a year, two years developing with Ty Tucker, they all get better right away. And Anthrop's had a year in that Ty Tucker system. He got to work this summer, those Ohio State summers, legendary. I think he's going to be ready to contribute here in his redshirt freshman season. And again, if he's not, Cash Luchonic are right there to be able to do so as well. I think we've covered the strengths of this team pretty well. Let's get to the projected lineup. What do you think, Chris, looking at this singles lineup? What are you going with for Man, the Buckeyes? This is a complete disaster. If, if if I was, you know, if I was talking to to Ty like I talked to Coach Woodson, I would get ridiculed like hmm. in the rears horrendously for what I'm about to say because this is <laughs> going to be nothing close to correct. And Coach Tucker can feel free to come on and go, you have no idea what you're talking about because Kingsley is the only given, like I said. I actually think... I don't want to play JJ at two just because I would rather have him down. I'm going to say Trotter two, JJ three, Boulay four. And I think I play the two freshmen five and six, although Ash is certainly capable. We know he's going to be number one doubles. I and I think he will get in and 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 try to prove himself. But I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say, Bernard five and Anthrop six. I just think you're wrong. I think, I don't feel good about any. Yeah, I one. think Kingsley one's a lock. I think you go Tracy two, Bernard three, Boulay four, Trotter five, Anthrop six. 
And look, by the way, the other strength for this team, Ohio State's always good at doubles. They'll figure out the solution. They'll figure out the pairings. They'll have teams ready to go come the double, the first doubles point through the last doubles point of the 2022 season, uh, 2023 season, excuse me. Yeah, I just, I think I'm sticking. I, I think so, that's what so I'm going with. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to come back uh, after, we, after we see kickoff weekend lineups, or I'm not even sure if they'll be, uh, you know, that, that, that set yet, but. Man, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not sure. I don't even know who's who's I like better because I really just don't. I don't know. I'm. With I think you. one of the freshmen end up top three. I just think it would shock me. I I I'd be shocked to see Trotter at five. I'll say that. Yeah, that, that, that would shock me. I won't. I won't be shocked if I see one of the freshmen in the top three. I will be shocked if I see Trotter at five. <sighs> So then, what he four Boulay five, and then the other freshman at six. Yeah, but like I mean, for Boulay's had the he's had the off season to prove it. But I just uh, I don't know. I mean, just knowing that knowing knowing where Ty has won, has had him before, he's never been in, in you know in in his great graces, if you will. I think it would take a lot for him to earn a spot in front of Trotter, but man, I don't just playing those two at four or five to me is, is tough. It's going to be fascinating. It really will be fascinating to see but, where this I mean, yeah, I, I, you can have worse problems than talking about where am I going to play these guys that are like out there winning all these pro matches? Oh, yeah, who, exactly. Playing five. Yeah, exactly. That's the whole theme is again, the <laughs> yeah. depth that they have, they have options in every spot of the lineup. It's just fitting, figuring we out. Barely, we barely doing. even talked about Robbie cash who, can play great singles and especially you know it i'll say this because of the indoor outdoor aspect we may see more robbie early on indoors coming to the net you know obviously a guy that's really really good at the net likes to come forward uh and so that may happen early i think by the time we get later in the season that's probably not the case as much but you know we're talking about a 13-7 type guy here that we're we're, bar- we're barely saying that we're, we're barely giving consideration to being in the lineup to. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, again, and Luchanik. Like, don't forget Luchanik, who played really well at that number six. We also will probably see some time indoors for sure as well, as, as big as he is. So let me ask you this. Do you have any concerns for this team? What, when you look at this team, why aren't they the prohibitive preseason number one? It's it's terrible to say, but history, right? Okay. I mean, it really is. It's just that they, I mean, they do, they can go through if you if they go through the the regular season like they did last year, they probably would be number one going into the tournament. Uh, and it's and and I think it's very very possible. Uh, you know, it's just a matter of. Can they actually win three matches at the final site in Florida? I don't know. It's freaking tough. I mean, I look. like, like I said, for the reasons with the with the guys that are there this year, I like their chances better than in the past for sure. I mean, again, like that would be it. It's the how many outdoor matches will they get? And I will say, looking at this Ohio State schedule, that's where we go next. I actually like this year's schedule more than I did last season's. And again, I'm not complaining about last season's, but you look at what this Buckeyes team is going to be doing. They get Illinois, of course, prior to the start of the kickoff weekend. Then they get Toledo, 
Cleveland State, Xavier, Northern Kentucky as well. Then, of course, they have kickoff weekend where they are hosting UCF, Oregon, and Tulsa. After that, things start rocking and rolling right away for this Buckeyes team. They get Texas A&M, Texas at home. Then they're at Wake Forest, at Virginia. They're going to host Baylor prior to the start of the National Indoors, where we highly expect they'll get three, if not four more high-quality matches. Then, of course, again, Notre Dame at home at South Carolina, at UCF, the home-and-home with Michigan. The things I like, at South Carolina, at UCF, at Virginia, at Wake Forest, at Michigan. There are at Northwestern, at Illinois as well. There are just more of those away matches. I think this Buckeyes team gets tested even more than last season's did. Yeah, I, no, I, I like the schedule. I'll tell you what, I, to, to me, the first thing that jumps out at me, though, is the fact that, that you know, Baylor effectively comes to town on the way to indoors, pre, you know, and in the in the presumption that that Baylor, who does not have an easy region, right, with Florida State and Arizona State uh, coming to them, but but assuming let let's just say that Baylor does win their region kickoff weekend and get out, they're coming to Columbus, and then three days later starting indoors in Champaign, where. If Baylor does make it, I would say the odds of Ohio State at that point being ranked really high and the odds of Baylor being ranked in the lower end of those 16 that make it are pretty good. You could turn around and see back-to-back matches between those two schools. It's going to be really fun. Again. Yeah, I love love the swing at Wake at Virginia. I mean, a lot. We see a lot like last year where they have just all of those matches at home. And yes, while we know they're great wins to get, it's just, you know, we almost devalue the home wins for them just because it's so, you know, and they shouldn't be really, but they just don't lose at home. So we're just like, it would be a shocker if they lost at home to somebody. So to see them play, you know, defending national champion Virginia uh, on the road, play Wake Forest on the road, that's, you know, that's where we, where we'll get to find out you know, early before we get into conference season, how good these guys really are. Yeah, again, it's going to be fun. Uh, As always, the Ohio State schedule, Ty Tucker has never lacked for creativity, and you see that creativity once again this year. With all of that said, Chris, let's get to our predictions for the number two Ohio State Buckeyes. Let's start with the team up north. If they play Michigan four more times this year, what's the record? Two and two. That's a very safe guess and probably the accurate guess. Does this team win the national indoors? I haven't actually given this one any thought. Um, Yeah, I think they do. Wow. National indoors for what it's worth in Chicago this year. The last time it was in Chicago, Chris, who won the national indoors? USC. Oh, come on. It was Ohio State. USC was in Wisconsin. <laughs> USC was Wisconsin. Yeah, J.J. Wolf, Ohio State. We were there. That was a, a yeah. great time, uh, 2019. Shout out. I'm going to be on the call for the National Indoors, so I'm not allowing myself to give a prediction in that event. Um, but certainly Ohio State will be in the discussion. All right. Are they a top eight seed? Absolutely. Where do they get? In the NCAA tournament. disaster if they're not a top eight seed. I mean, especially with all the opportunities on that schedule. Um, well, I mean, I've already blown my title pick. Yeah. Uh, you. So. Um, 
I mean, look, I don't know how to make it any better for you than to say they're the runner-ups and they lose to Michigan in the title. Oh, my God. That would break me. If that, I mean, that would just be such an intense match. That would just be... I, uh, oh, I'm, I, I would... Oh, gosh, I can't even tell you how much I'd pray for that match. I mean, that would be... That would be tremendous. So unfortunate that it would be in Florida, but uh, I'm sure the I'm sure there would be traveling contingents from the schools anyway. Uh, but that, yeah, that match at night at, at Lake Nona. I mean, woo. yeah. I mean, look again. This team has made the quarterfinals or further in all but three seasons since 2004. They made the semifinals during the 2009 season, where they made the final semifinals 2011, semifinals 2013, semifinals 2017, finals 2018, semifinals last year. You know, this team goes on two-year runs. This team puts together extraordinary – and this core of Kingsley, Tracy, Trotter, Boulay, Cash, Luchonic, they've been through the ringer. I'm pretty sure Luchonic was there in 2018 when this team last made the NCAA final. This team has all the pieces. They have the experience. They have the schedule to be adequately tested. Yes, they're going to beat up on a lot of Big Ten schools as they do year after year after year. The Michigan-Ohio State rivalry has turned into exactly that, one of the most fun and well-respected rivalries in college tennis. I'm going to go semifinals. Uh, I mean, again, I, and I don't say that as disrespectful. I think they're going to run into the champion first. I think Michigan's going to go be on the other side of the draw this year, and that's why they're my finalist. I still have my doubts about a Big Ten team going outdoors for both schools. Yeah, what am I that's thinking? What, picking two Big Ten teams, yeah, that's in the final. That's, that's ridiculous. what you. I've brainwashed you, my friend. Yeah, that's what that that's tells re- me. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I need, to, I need to undo it all and pick them both out. I mean, you know what? I'm, I'm letting you know this now. Here's my New Year's gift to you. Tomorrow, not tomorrow. Well, we're recording tomorrow, but for the final podcast, I am granting each of us the right to completely reset our quarterfinals onward. <laughs> so go back. I don't even know what I've said already. Exactly. So, so tomorrow is where you lock in. You have to give me your final eight predictions of where quarterfinals, semifinalists, finalists, where everyone sits. That's what I'm locking you into. I will do the same. I will tell Jay he is responsible for that as well. With that said, that's your look at number two, the Ohio State University. Of course, we will be back with our final episode of our top 10 preview on Friday. We'll talk about the ITA preseason rankings then, and maybe we'll even look ahead to some of the fun matches on the schedule as this 2023 college tennis season officially gets underway. Of course, a shout out as always to the man behind the scene who makes all of our content possible, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who has a of an editing job doing day in, day out, making all of this content possible. With that said, Chris Helioris, any final thoughts before we wrap today's show? Now, my only thoughts are, man, let's get going. This weekend, we can get real matches started. I'm excited. Let's get the season underway. Can we just let the record show again? You picked two Big Ten teams as your finalist and champion. I, I don't understand. Yeah. I, do you, do you want the mulligan? Been, all this recent uh, this recent diet, it's taken something out of yeah. more than just the, you know, yeah. out of my gut. It's come well, out of the brain, too. No, here's it? the thing. You're the smartest you've ever been. That's what I'm noticing <laughs> here. It's actually, this is the truth. Your brain's finally working, my friend. Uh, but with all of that said for the professor, Chris Helioris, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Chris, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot and we will see you all on friday thanks everyone